0: Have you ever seen someone being given a second chance and you thought to yourself, I wonder how they're going to blow it this time. Second chances don't always come. Even in the Bible, they don't always come. We're told a story in uh, 1 Kings 13 about a prophet uh, who... Uh, spoke of a a man of God who disobeyed God's word and the Lord gave him to a lion, which tore and killed him. And Isaiah 55 uh, tells us about uh, the Lord's thoughts not being our thoughts. And uh, we know that Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. He's being given a second chance. In fact, uh, the language is very clear. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Jonah is being given a second chance to do what God had told him to do the first time. Of course, a lot happened. In order to bring him to that point, the Lord actually caused him to be saved from the sea uh, through a great fish and then vomited out on the land. Uh, He saw sailors responding to the Lord along the way. Um, But Jonah is finally going to do what God said. Second chances don't always come along like this. Um, Ananias and Sapphira didn't get a second chance in Acts chapter 5. So this is an amazing thing. It's an example of God's grace that Jonah has given this second chance. It's a demonstration of what he said in chapter 2 when he said salvation is of the Lord. And we found out that Jonah's repentance was not complete, but he's still going to follow through. He's still going to do what God said. The word of the Lord came to Jonah and says, Arise, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. Now the Lord adds some words. He's going to give him the message. He's going to give him a message to speak. And this is important because Jonah did not think like God. His thoughts were not God's thoughts. We find this out in chapter 4 that Jonah, still after obeying, did not think like God, but God was to give him the message. It's the message that God would give him because it's important that we understand that there is something bigger going on than the uh, thoughts of Jonah concerning what is going to take place. Jonah arises and goes to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is effective and he causes him to go. And Nineveh is an exceeding great city. people like to talk about this phrase. Uh, It's interpreted in different ways, but pretty sure the meaning is a great city to God, an important city to God. God is gonna be merciful to this city. Jonah doesn't like that. Jonah doesn't want that. But Jonah is going, and he's going to proclaim this message. And God is going to be gracious to this city. A 3 days journey in extent, another phrase that's discussed. It's possible that uh, Nineveh, which was about seven miles long, didn't really take three days to, to go that length. But perhaps it was an official visit, took three days. Or perhaps we're talking about the huge area around Nineveh, which included other, other towns, the whole, the whole property that took, took that length of time to get there. But you notice a contrast here. It's a contrast between the three days journey and then how much time Jonah spends in the city. It says in verse four, Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. He goes a, a day into the city. And Jonah's message is really only in the original five words, five words in Hebrew. That's how we get the title for this message. Five words in Hebrew. That's all he he speaks. And he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. A very enthusiastic prophet. And yet he's speaking the word of God, the words that God gave him, the message that he told him. And this message includes in it a certain amount of uncertainty because the word overthrown is a word that comes from the way in which Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah were overthrown. But it's also a word that has to do with a change of heart. It's a word that, that implies judgment, suggests judgment to the people. And yet in God's providence, there's an opportunity for them to repent. You see, Israel heard messages like this too in the history of redemption. They heard messages of judgment and they didn't always repent. Nineveh is going to be different. Jonah doesn't expect this. And so he goes to give the message, but he's perhaps kind of a ho-hum about it. He speaks the word about the possibility of judgment on Nineveh. And it says in verse 5, The people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. The people of Nineveh believe God. They believed what God said. And you see, this is how preaching works, true preaching. It is a proclamation that comes from God. Romans ten verse seventeen tells us something about uh, what uh, preaching is is designed for uh, in God's providence, how, how God works with it, uh, we're told that <clears throat> faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. The word of God is designed to bring about faith, to enable hearing to take place by the work of the Holy Spirit. And God is able to effectively work by means of his word. That's how he operates. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 2.13, the apostle Paul writes that they, he thanks God without ceasing for the Thessalonians because they received the word of God, which they heard from uh, Paul and the others. And they welcomed it not as the word of men, but as, in, as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. You see, if people are going to repent, if they're going to turn, they're going to need to hear the word of God. And it doesn't even matter if the prophet is enthusiastic about it. It matters that he speaks the words that God sends. And Jonah spoke these words Yet 40 days in Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. Now, the reason we stopped at verse 5 is because it's actually a summary of what happens in the rest of the chapter. It's, it's giving you the big overview. It's telling you what happened in general. The king of Nineveh is going to be involved. Uh, the beasts are going to be involved in the rest of the chapter. But we need to know that the people believed God, that God worked effectively through this five-word sermon spoken by this reluctant prophet to accomplish a great massive work of repentance among these people. They accept that the judgment that is threatened is deserved. They believe God. You notice they don't act like some sinners do and say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Throw Jonah out of town. Put him in prison or something. No, it says they believe God. They listened to God. God got their attention and using a reluctant prophet to boot. That's the amazing power of the work of God. That's the amazing power of the word of God. And we need to remember that when we encounter people who are strong-willed and reluctant to listen because God's word says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. If Nineveh is an important city to God, God is going to use these five words to accomplish his purpose. And the Ninevites believed God. They believe God and we see the, the evidence of their turning to God, the evidence of their response in two ways. They fast and they put on sackcloth. They fast, which is a sign of, of repentance in the, in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. It's what the people of God were supposed to demonstrate in passages like Nehemiah I, in verse 1 or Esther 4 verse 3 or Daniel 9 verse 3. They put on sackcloth, signs of mourning. Difficult clothing to wear, clothing that was probably irritating to the skin. And they put it on to demonstrate the fact that they were mourning, a possibility that they could be judged for their sin. They weren't arguing about sin. They weren't arguing about their evil. They acknowledged it. The book of Romans tells us that the Gentiles have the law of God written on their hearts and their conscience bears witness to the fact that they have this law of God written on their hearts. We need to remember that as we encounter people they have a knowledge of sin. They have a knowledge of sin in their conscience. They might be denying it but they have a knowledge of sin. What they need is a word of God to address their sin and to tell them the consequences of disobedience but also, also the opportunity that they have to turn to God. The people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. And we have, in our day, the opportunity uh, to proclaim this message to people. But there's a problem. The problem is that today, a lot of people, as they talk about what people need to hear, would say, just take out those four-letter words about hell. Hell is unpopular today. And yet we learn from this passage that the threat of God's judgment was used by God to bring about belief and repentance on the part of the Ninevites. The possibility that they would be overthrown. Now, that word overthrown, as as I've already mentioned, it, it it's a word that, that could speak of their uh being judged by God, as Sodom and Gomorrah were, but it can also speak of them changing, changing their hearts. But that doesn't change the fact that the Ninevites recognized in this a possibility that they would be uh under the threat of God's judgment. They acknowledged their sin. They knew that they stood before uh, God and that they were not able to stand before God without putting on sackcloth, without fasting. And so they did. People say that we should not speak of, of hell today, but the Lord Jesus spoke of hell a great deal in the in the Gospels, um, he says in Luke chapter twelve and verse five, "I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Jesus Christ is speaking of the, the living God, the one who made us, who has uh, the right and the ability uh, to cause us to be judged. but Jonah uh, speaking this this word was speaking uh, a word that was used by God to bring about something much uh, different than that. The Ninevites actually turned. I mentioned that word being somewhat ambiguous. It's got a negative sense to be overturned, but it's got a positive sense to be turned or transformed, to repent. And the condition is if God's people repent, then God is able to relent. And God in his providence gave them that warning so that they are uh, responding to it in the way that he designed. We'll see this further as we go further on in the chapter and we look at Jeremiah 18 uh, verses 7 to 8. We won't take the time to do that this afternoon, but it's important that we remember that God had orchestrated the outcome of this message in the way that he designed. He designed it for these particular people. And these particular people heard this message and they listened to God. They believed him. It's important that we recognize that as we speak the words of God, if we speak them precisely as God has given them, that God will cause uh, the outcome to come about in a way that pleases him. Now, people like to argue about how much the Ninevites really responded to God, how how true their repentance really was, but Jesus doesn't argue about it. In the Gospel of Luke, the Lord Jesus Christ says in Luke 11, verse 32, the men of, men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. The Lord Jesus actually says that the people of Nineveh repented at the preaching of Jonah, and they will be at the judgment condemning another generation. That they actually are in a place of having responded to God and the generation that is before Jesus Christ is less repentant than them. And that's an important thing that we recognize. The Word of God is effective and he's able to bring about this type of response on the part of the Ninevites. Amen. What can he do with a message like you heard last week, a message that says something extremely simple, which you heard explained, which, which you know uh, very, very uh, thoroughly. Listen carefully to these words and think about them in light of the Ninevites' repentance. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Some people like to believe that the Ninevites just simply proclaimed the fast, they mourned, and God relented from the disaster, and then later on, you know, Nineveh becomes this bloody city that's mentioned in Nahum. But Jesus has a different perspective. Jesus actually says that at the judgment they're going to Condemn the people that he's talking to because there's a way that you can respond to the living God having sent his son that enables you to not perish, but have everlasting life. The message of repentance repentance is squarely focused upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this was always the plant. God had already said to Abram way back in Genesis 12 that uh, through him uh, there would be a blessing for the nations. We find out that that blessing, that promise given to Abram was focused on the Lord Jesus Christ as we read the book of Galatians. This was always the way that men and women and boys and girls would be saved through the Lord Jesus Christ, through believing in him. Now in the old covenant, people had to stretch uh, through the uh, activity of faith, they had to reach forward because it was not all explained. It certainly wasn't explained in Jonah's message. Five words. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. They didn't even use the name Jesus. They probably didn't even know. The prophets, we, t- we read in First Peter, were searching to see what time For circumstances, the Spirit was indicating when they prophesied. But now you and I know, we know John 3.16. We know that God has provided a way for people not to perish, to have everlasting life. And it's backed by the effectiveness of God's ministry of his word. His word is powerful and effective according to his standards in his way he says as the rain comes down and snow from heaven and do not return there but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth it shall not return to me void but it shall accomplish what i please and it shall prosper in the thing for which i sent it That's Isaiah 55. You have John 3.16 and Isaiah 55. You have the effectiveness of what Jonah uh, preached in this passage. Though he was reluctant, and we know without a shadow of a doubt that God through his word is able to bring people to everlasting life. Through the message of Jesus Christ, His Son, He's able to cause them not only to, not only to, mourn, not only to fast, but to be saved. And brothers and sisters, we have that expectation every time we read, and share, and hear, preached, and preach the Word of God. That's the great wonder of this passage. That's the great wonder of the arrival of Jesus Christ. There is a pathway to salvation. In the midst of judgment, there is salvation in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the message of salvation because we do recognize that the Lord Jesus Christ also spoke of hell. And if there is a hell, There is a heaven. And because of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is a way to go to heaven, to be with the Lord Jesus Christ, to be with you. And yet, Father, there is something even more than that. There is a call to repent that is backed by your effective power. It is your word that goes forth and accomplishes that for which you sent it. And so we ask today for the confidence in your word that is undergirded by the response of the Ninevites in this passage. The response to a reluctant prophet, a very short sermon, a very short short walk through the city, but accomplished in your time by your power, for your purposes to show the magnitude of your sovereignty over salvation. And Father, we thank you for John 3.16 because it makes it so clear. It's so on the surface. And we make it so complicated. We make it so confusing. We want people to like us. We want people to listen to what we have to say. And it's so tempting to alter the message. It's so tempting to try to accomplish something by our words. But we would trust in yours. We would trust in your power and in the power of the message of the gospel we ask father that you would enable those that you have appointed to salvation to come to know the lord jesus christ through the proclamation of the gospel here on the streets of upper derby we ask that you would cause conversations about the great wonder of believing in you through jesus christ your son and receiving everlasting life and we ask that you would cause the threat of judgment, to accomplish your purpose in the way that you send that threat. And Father, we ask that you would use all of these means to cause your word and your power and your Son to be lifted up. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.